Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Wars podcast. Today we're talking about the man from Qi worries about the sky. We've talked about various Chengyu on this podcast. These are idioms, proverbial expressions in Chinese, typically centuries or even millennia old, which people still use on a daily basis. You have to know quite a few of these to wield the Chinese language with any facility. One famous Chengyu is Tian, the man from Qi worries about the sky. It means to worry unnecessarily, to be afraid of something that certainly won't happen. Today I want to tell you about this expression, the state of Qi that was this man's home, and why, for some 2,000 years now, we have misunderstood the original story and treated the subject of the fable unfairly. The state of Qi was a feudal domain of incredible antiquity that evolved into a small state of the spring and autumn era, the period when the lords of feudal domains grew autonomous from the king so that their realms became practically independent countries. Be careful not to confuse Qi with Qi. Yes, I know, such is the Chinese language. The latter was another state of the spring and autumn and warring states periods, and it was much larger and more powerful. Today we're talking about the small state of Qi. The people of Qi were said to be descendants of that hydraulic engineer, King Yu the Great. King Yu is said to have founded the Xia dynasty, the first of China's hereditary dynasties, in or around 2070 BC. Admittedly, archaeologists are still trying to substantiate the Xia dynasty, and most scholars still classify the Xia as mythical. But Chinese tradition says it was real, and that it lasted around 400 years. Around 1600 BC, the ascendant Shang dynasty overthrew the Xia. At this time, rather than massacring all the relatives of the previous royal family, the new Shang king granted them a domain and designated one of them the Marquis of that realm. This was the origin of the domain of Qi. But the Shang king made this domain quite small, presumably so that these members of the deposed regime would never grow strong enough to challenge the new dynasty. Even so, the domain or state of Qi ended up enjoying remarkable longevity. It survived for well over a thousand years. First, it survived throughout the Shang dynasty. Shang dynasty oracle bones used for prophetic purposes mention the domain of Qi. The oracle bones record the 23rd Shang king, Wu Ding, who died in 1192 BC, marrying a woman from Qi as one of his over 60 wives. Then, 
when the Zhou dynasty overthrew the Shang in 1046 BC, King Wu of Zhou went looking for the descendants of Yu the Great. Then King Wu recreated the state of Qi, declaring that it would continue as a domain under the new dynasty. Although the territory of the domain shifted from present-day Henan into present-day Shandong, largely due to pressure from other larger domains. When the Western Zhou period ended and the Eastern Zhou, or Spring and Autumn period, began in 770 BC, the state of Qi persisted as a small state caught between greater powers. Pressure from larger and more powerful states worsened so that the Qi had to relocate several more times, including in 646 and 544 BC. In the late 6th and early 5th centuries BC, Qi politics grew unstable. In 506 BC, a new duke of Qi rose to power, only to be murdered by his younger brother just a few months later. In 471 BC, transfer of power by fratricide happened once again. The Qi finally fell in 445 BC, well over a millennium after its founding, when the powerful state of Chu invaded and conquered it. Because the Qi was small and weak, ancient sources tell us rather little about the country, other than what I've summarized above. Twenty rulers of the Qi are documented, but for the most part, we just know their regnal names and not the details of their reigns. Sima Qian, the great historian, writing the historical record in the 2nd and 1st centuries BC, mentioned the Qi. But he put down a precious 270 characters about this country, commenting that Qi is small and its events are not worth narrating. Confucius, who lived during the final century of the Xi's existence, once went there for research. Confucius was himself a descendant of Shang dynasty aristocracy, and he was interested in the rituals of the even more ancient Xia dynasty. He was generally very interested in the correct observance of rituals. So, Knowing that the people of Qi were descended from the Xia rulers, he went there to see what ancient rites they might have preserved. But he was disappointed. In one passage in the Analects, Confucius tells a disciple, I can tell you about the rites of the Xia, but contemporary practices in the Qi are insufficient evidence for what the ancients did. But okay, so we don't know too much about the state of Qi. But we have this general picture of a political entity that was small and weak and caught between stronger players, a country buffeted by the winds. But a country that nonetheless managed to play its cards right and survive for a lot longer than the other states. It was against this background that the author of the book Lietzi set his fable. 
We've talked about Lietze before in our episode on King Mu of Zhou, who supposedly traveled far and wide west of China for many years. The Lietze tells a story about King Mu encountering an artisan or engineer on his way back to China, who demonstrated to him what is essentially an android. Now, we don't know when exactly the Lietze was written. Traditionally, the book was said to be written during the spring and autumn, or Warring States periods. But some believe there might have been an original Lietze from this period that was then lost during the Western Han Dynasty. And another book took its place, also using the title Lietze, but was actually a different book. One scholar pointed to the android story I talked about and noted its similarity to a section of the Jataka tales of Buddhism, wherein a wooden puppet was similarly said to be able to dance so well as to seem like a real person. If the Lietzi indeed cribbed the story from the Jataka tales, then it must be dated later than the introduction of that text from India. The scholar concluded that Zhang Zhan from the Qing dynasty in the 4th century AD, previously thought to be only a commentator on the Lietzi, was the book's true author. Whoever wrote it and whenever it was written, in one chapter the Lietzi tells us the following story. Once there was a man from Qi who worried that the sky might fall. He was so worried that he could neither sleep nor eat. Someone said to him, The heavens are formed from air, and air is everywhere. In fact, you're breathing it right now. So why would you fear that it might fall? So the man from Qi stopped worrying that the sky would fall, but then he started worrying that the sky, being made from air, wouldn't be able to support the sun and the moon and the stars, and maybe the celestial bodies would fall. The other man said, The sun and the moon and the stars are just parts of this air-made sky that glow bright, so they cannot fall any more than the sky itself can fall. So the man from Qi stopped worrying about the heavenly bodies. He started worrying about the earth instead. Who's to say it wouldn't collapse? The other man said to him, The earth is just made from lots and lots of clods of dirt. You walk on these clods of dirt all the time, and they're packed solid to form the earth. So why would you fear that it might collapse? Hearing this, the man from Qi stopped worrying about the earth. Like I said, this is the source of the Chinese idiom, the man from Qi worries about the sky, meaning to worry unnecessarily about things that cannot happen. But actually, this is not the end of the story in Lietzi. The story continues. Chang Luzi, a noted intellectual in the state of Chu, heard about the above conversation between the man from Qi and his friend. 
And he said, Rainbows, clouds, wind and rain, these are things of heaven made from air. Mountains, rivers, metals and rocks, trees, these are things of earth made from clumps of dirt. But would you say they are indestructible just because they are made from heaven and earth? One who worries about the destruction of heaven and earth is a person with a long vision, because in fact, heaven and earth cannot be indestructible. If you happen to live in the time of destruction, of course you would worry. Then, finally, the author of Lietzi spoke up in his own voice, having heard Chang Luzi's comments. Those who say that heaven and earth will be destroyed are wrong. Those who say heaven and earth are indestructible are also wrong. In truth, it is impossible for me to know whether the cosmos is fated for destruction or preservation. Once you read the full fable, you come away with the impression that the man from Qi was not ridiculous, and the author of Lietzi was not presenting him as ridiculous. In fact, like I said, Lietzi made a man from Qi the protagonist of this fable for a reason. The Qi was a small country caught between the great powers, one that constantly had to worry about its survival. More than that, the ancient text Zuo Zhuan tells us that the sky really did fall in the state of Qi during its history. In 687 BC, the Zuo Zhuan records, a massive meteor shower hit the territory of the state of Qi, so that stars fell from the sky like raindrops. In 2004, archaeologists actually found the meteors mentioned in the Zuo Zhuan, in the area once occupied by the Qi, substantiating this episode. Geologists have further found that massive earthquakes hit the area of the Qi during the spring and autumn period. For a man from Qi to worry about the sky falling and the earth collapsing was therefore not ridiculous at all. Both things had actually happened in the history of that country, possibly within this man's living memory. Consider humanity today. Scientists started warning the world about global warming, about climate change, back in, what, the 1970s? Alexander von Humboldt actually foresaw the possibility even back in the 19th century. For all these years, some of us have determinedly called these scientists qi ren you tian, people from qi worrying that the sky is going to fall, people who worried unnecessarily. But today, most of us can see very clearly, most of us agree, that the climate scientists are right and have been right all along. We should have been worried about it. Maybe you saw the film Oppenheimer. Before the Trinity test, J. Robert Oppenheimer and his fellow scientists at Los Alamos couldn't rule out the possibility that setting off an atomic bomb would light 
the Earth's atmosphere on fire and extinguish all mankind. They actually did worry about it, even though they went ahead with the test anyway. The possibility was remote, whereas the Axis threat was very real. Still, it was not foolish to worry that the sky might fall. It was just a matter of risk management. On that note, this has been MODG. Thank you for listening.